0: Hello, this is the host of this podcast, Jeff, and I am doing a big recording in the summer, but you're hearing this, gosh, sometime in the fall. I just just today post uh, edited and scheduled episode 141. Can you remember that long ago? Uh, and the episode coming out in two days from this recording is 139. So I'm not as far ahead as I would like to be. But the next trio should go well because it's another uh, me and one guest thing. I've sort of got a methodology down for editing. What I what I do now is I'll take both of the tracks and put them into Audacity, and then I will do noise removal on each track, and then I will uh, line the tracks up time-wise, then I will combine them to one track, turn on the sync lock tracks option, so if you delete something from one track, it also deletes the same time from the same time as the other tracks Uh, and then on the combined audio track I will run truncate silence and turn all silences of more than 0.2 seconds into silences of 0.1 second Um, and then what I end up with is a lot of likes and ums and hemming and hawing still but no weird dead air silences and I don't then have to spend two hours going through and removing them manually Uh, and then after that I'll run a compress And throw the theme songs on And I think I can probably get the next Three episodes edited Maybe this evening after I'm done these recordings with Returning guest fan favorite Judd Matarang
1: Hi, Uh, fun fact, if Jeff does noise Removal, all of my audio disappears So there's that
0: Yes, that's (laughs) true, well yeah Audience, I know you can hear Judd, but All I hear is uh, The wretched cries of A billion tortured souls (laughs) (laughs) And I have a little electronic transcriber on my computer that tells me uh, what that tortured screaming means, but boy, it is just psychically torturous (laughs) to uh, hear it, and I will be driven mad by the end of the episode. That's the goal. Uh, Well, (laughs) right after the episode you heard right before this was me being extremely mad for two hours about uh, very bad creepypastas. Uh, I also explained in that how we did a weird switcheroo where uh, i was recording three with uh, guests hannah burge and the uh, three that we had it was two normal creepypastas and a video and then i was scheduling with judd and we had two videos and a normal creepypasta so i switched so that with hannah it would be three normal creepypastas and with judd it would be three videos and we're here to talk about the first of those videos it is called dining room or there is nothing and uh I think that I will describe what's happening as I watch the video uh, live again here. I've already watched it before, but it's only a minute and seven seconds long, so here we go. You click play, and there's a white-faced, old-timey-looking woman. Uh, her eyes snap open like a hard edit, and she says some sort of weird Twin Peaksy backwards language while there is flames going on behind her. Uh, the camera pulls back to reveal her holding a large spoon in front of a green bowl. Her face Splats forward into the bowl, then the it's fully reversed. And in front of you, the viewer, there is a similar bowl and a similar spoon. Uh, then it seems at about the halfway point that the film starts to reverse. So it starts to like pull back in and the fire starts to sort of seem like it's uh, unburning or uh, something. Uh, it's like getting sucked down into source. the source. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's what fire looks like when you film it and then reverse the film, and then the camera, of course, zooms back in, zooms back in, and we hear what she has actually said is there is nothing. But it's still Twin Peaksy. Like they filmed her uh as if they filmed the actor saying it backwards like out loud and then when they reversed it it came out the right way but was actually a reverse of the initial recording uh, which is a cool technique for making something seem weird and that's the whole video
1: so for those of us who actually have not seen twin peaks what about it is like twin peaks i guess
0: right okay yes uh, so there are scenes in a location in Twin Peaks that I, I'm not sure if it's ever called this on the show but the uh, name for it that people give is the other place and when in the other place everything is filmed backwards uh, so there's like a guy there's a, a dwarf in a red suit who does a little dance and then he speaks to special agent Dale Cooper and the things he says are normal English words but it's very clear from watching it that they recorded him saying those things backwards and then have flipped it. Mm. And also there's subtitles because it's very hard to understand what someone is saying when you do that. And everyone speaks this way, uh, including Lara Palmer, who is there for some reason. Um, it's... I don't particularly care for or understand Twin Peaks, and I know that will probably make creepy, uh, creepy podsta fans uh, upset. But you know, them, them's the breaks. Uh, Judd, I take it you haven't seen Twin Peaks based on I, yeah. uh, asking for an explanation.
1: Yeah, I have not. I've not seen it. I, I think I tried to watch the first episode a couple of years back, and I uh, finished it, and then I was just like, okay, and then I. Didn't watch another episode. I didn't think it was, like, bad. I just—I don't think I was in the mood to watch that kind of show at the time.
0: I like the first season, but the first season is six episodes, and then there's a 20-something episode second season, which is completely miserable. Um, It has, like, two or three good episodes. Uh, I, mm, I overall liked the bizarreness of the revival on Showtime. I did legitimately, genuinely enjoy the follow-up uh, prequel sort of uh, movie, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me. Uh, it It's really good. Um, it's like David Lynch weird. The weirdest things about it are... It takes place in the last week of Lara Palmer's life, and she's the central uh, mystery of Twin Peaks. Is who murdered her and why? Uh, so we we learn about her in her final weeks. They recast the main role of the movie from the show. It was um, on the show. I yeah on the show it was uh, Lara Flynn Boyle, and she did not want to return for the movie. And I believe that she also doesn't return for the revival of Twin Peaks. Um, I could be mistaken. I'm double-checking now. No, she does not return for the uh, revival. It's really strange that she didn't want to uh, appear in the movie, and it's also really strange that they would recast her instead of just, I don't know, writing around it. Uh, She is played in the film by... Someone named Moira Kelly, who you know looks kind of like Lara Flynn Boyle, but you know she doesn't have that certain special something. Uh, the the important role, though, is Cheryl Lee, who plays Lara Palmer and delivers an excellent performance. Uh, but a bunch of weird stuff happens. There's some more reverse talking. I don't know why I turned so much into Twin Peaks. Uh, what did you think of this weird video? Um.
1: I th- I think I saw it a a little while back. I was actually really surprised to find out that it was, at least on this account, if this was the guy who really made it, was published on April 3rd 2006 so th- yeah. that's like uh, early days of YouTube
0: um, yeah cause this is um, yeah I think this is it's, the credit it says one minute looped film by David B. Earl and the YouTube account is named David Earl so I assume that this is the original place it has a link to davidbeerl.com slash nothing html I probably should have read this beforehand but it has a little sort of explanation of the video mm-hmm. uh, oh Apparently, this is fully looped. This went viral in the pre-YouTube days and got 3 million downloads. (laughs) That's wild. Uh, I I hadn't known that. I I don't know about the... (sighs) David Earl here tells us that there are conspiracy theories about it and it like goes viral again every once in a while uh, and w- this is the interesting thing when the video is looped there's no beginning and end it like loops perfectly uh, and that's that's interesting to me because uh, it's it's very pleasant when a video does that and it's really rare uh, we have the, uh, the sort of one guy leaning back smirking and then the person doing like home alone hands on his face goes in front of him and that w- that video loops pretty well do you know the one i mean
1: uh, i don't think i've seen it
0: it's it's a very popular reaction gif and it's so short and appears to loop well because the guy like the guy making the home alone hands on his face in utter shock goes like across the crowd and disappears and then when he appears again it i don't it just like I I don't know where... (laughs) I guess the loop happens just exactly at the right moment that you don't really notice it looping, and that is similar to this. Although, uh, it's interesting. I guess in the first frame, there would have to be no flames for it to loop perfectly, right? Or no, because that's right. It ends with just the reverse, so of course it would loop perfectly back when you started it up again. Yeah. Interesting.
1: It's, um... I can kind of see when, when on his website on the davidb, earl dot slash nothing dot html, uh, the <laughs> link to exactly a, a, an explanation for this one video. I can see if it was really set like created in the pre YouTube days. I can see why people would have written conspiracy theories about it because it it seems like one of those. Phenomena that's you know like oh you know someone found this on a videotape in their basement somewhere you know they found it in like an abandoned you know uh the facility or something like that and they popped it in and they found this and then they like uploaded it onto the computer and you know like now that now that it's on youtube it's like it's kind of it's just a yeah you, you know out. you yeah. know someone went up there and they like hit upload and they were like oh man this is gonna get so many views but you know like before uh, 4.1 million yeah but before before youtube it was like you just posted it to whatever I don't know daily motion or whatever the <laughs> you,
0: you know you throw it up on kazaa yeah.
1: as yeah like yeah and then foo, Fighter, foo
0: fighters dot mp4 yeah. or whatever and then you just
1: title it like cursed video dot avi and then just you know people yeah. watch it and they're like oh my god what is this about um so that that you know to think of it uh i guess in that time period like 12 years ago would be pretty creepy and i think i did see it a long time ago um yeah and think it was pretty yeah this creepy. oh
0: this this was suggested i should say by past guest Jesse Cooper. Uh, I, I do have the, the little page up here to remind me of who suggested what, so that is uh, thank you, Jesse, for suggesting this video. Uh, I, I kind of wish I had watched, there's a link on the sidebar dining room where there is nothing explained, and it's less than five minutes long, uh, because this is such a short video that you could just explain it, and it would only take uh, four minutes and 46 seconds, which is uh, uh, about... <laughs> (laughs) a a little more than four times as long as the video itself, but still not a very long uh, explanation, really.
1: Um, There is the last paragraph, too, on that page. gives his, I guess, his explanation for it. It says, when loop, there is no actual beginning or end and no real sense of where the beginning and end actually are. This piece was inspired by a personal paradoxical desire for empirical proof that there is nothing on the other side of life. I wanted to blur the distinction between the two states and to state the paradox by showing someone who is coming back from life or death and denies its existence thereby fulfilling the paradox so if anyone wanted yeah. the author's uh, explanation for what the video is which you don't usually get when you know when you have a creepypasta you know the author doesn't go yeah. ahead and put the note to be like this is what i was trying to achieve you know otherwise you'd be out of a job i think as far as yeah probably goes. i
0: have to i mean the explanation for most creepypastas is someone was bored on reddit and decided uh that they wanted to be the next Stephen King, and so they wrote uh, (laughs) fifty thousand words when really uh, two thousand would have done. Uh, And it's what I what's interesting about this video is it's less of a horror piece. It uh, it is obviously like unsettling and Mm -hmm. uses horror elements such as, uh, slow zooms and the reversing, looping sort of thing, the fire, the pale makeup. These are all conventions of the horror genre, but it's more like, uh, a museum piece. It's like, like a a piece of art that you would find in like an installation in a museum just on a constant loop. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, that's interesting to me because we don't, we don't cover so-called high art. The highest we get, I think on this show is movies, which are now considered higher art than they once were, but they're not, for example, paintings or opera, and we have a specific subgenre of fil- film called art film, uh which this, I think fits neatly into it's it's yeah art, art film sort of but uh, more like an, an experimental short of the kind that you would see in in a modern art museum I think
1: mm-hmm. so where where exactly does in your hierarchy of what is considered to be the highest forms of art uh, where exactly does the the standard creepypasta <laughs> fall in that
0: I I am all about de- uh, tearing down the walls between high and low art. But that, to me, doesn't mean denying that those walls exist and have existed historically. So I would say that, in general, creepypasta is a populist art. It is not there to necessarily have deep, profound meaning about the nature of human existence, for example. Uh, The way this video is, by the words of the author and Uh, But it is usually just something that is created to be shared for entertainment purposes in a community. Mm. And that I understand is sort of a weaselly answer, because you would definitely say that... For example, Shakespeare is high art, but in the 1500s, when those plays were being written and performed, they were uh, largely designed so that poor people would stop uh, killing each other with knives in the street and instead could go uh, sit in a pile of dirt for two hours and watch some stuff happen. And obviously, Shakespeare also performed for nobles— but it it was it was sort of this it, it, it's high art now but it was definitely something that was made for the sensibilities of the broadest possible audience and I think that is where creepypasta fit but I'm not sure that any creepypasta is ever going to be looked back on as some profound work of art by future art historians the way something like Shakespeare is I mean that also it's tied in with uh, sort of notions of colonialism and Eurocentrism that we're sort of outgrowing now. Obviously, that stuff still has an effect on the world, but there seems to be less of a sense of, oh, the important art is being made in this specific small location. And I think that's largely due to the internet, which is where Creepypasta lives. So I don't know, it's it's hard to answer. Yes, Creepypasta is low art, but so much high art was one once low art, and who knows what could be happening in the future? We we could be we could be uh, just a few decades out from someone teaching uh, Candle Cove in a class about epistolary uh, 21st century literature, and I think that it would belong there. Mm. Or teaching uh, Slenderman in a pop culture class, and I think that it, especially if it were about internet culture, would belong there because Slenderman is a creation of the- the internet extremely specifically from something awful which is uh before 4chan or reddit was the place where all memes were born Mm -hmm. uh and it continues to this day to be like a very large hub and it's a consistent community actually sort of for the reason why places like Tumblr and Reddit and 4chan are not anymore uh, because it's heavily moderated. Uh, any admin can ban you for any reason. Any user can pay to have someone else banned, uh, and they don't like the the last rule in their rules is we can ban you for any reason and you can't appeal it, um, which gives them a lot of leeway for moderating their space. That places like Tumblr and Twitter and reddit i mean this is uh especially relevant when we're recording it because the ceo of reddit just came out uh like yesterday and was like it's too hard to remove hate speech from the platform and when someone when the person who asked him to do it posted the correspondence on reddit that user was banned oh geez the post um, so it's apparently not hard. They just don't want to do it, which I knew that about Twitter because of the people that the founder of Twitter, Jack, follows Uh, but reddit I thought um, it it's hard to know the motivation obviously profit is one because if they lost users from r slash the underscore donald the biggest subreddit uh, which has been destroying the site to the point where they have to reformulate algorithms to prevent their uh, hate speech from hitting the front page if they removed that subreddit which they should because it's as bad or worse than the subreddits that do get removed like like incels and uh, all the ones about watch whatever ethnicity die or uh, insert subgroup hate. Uh, All of those groups get removed, and they deserve to be. Uh, This one doesn't get removed because it's too big and therefore too profitable for them, despite the fact that it's as bad as those other ones. But to have it be so succinctly there, I think, is interesting. And also, uh, oh, back on topic— Yes, all of these internet pieces of art, I think, are uh, instructive. uh, hmm. Culture—they tell us about a cultural moment. I don't think that you could teach Candle Cove in a literature class effectively without talking about how it was copied and pasted off of Chris Straub's site and distributed on 4chan. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that you could similarly how we can't really talk about this dining room video without talking about how it wasn't initially on YouTube and was distributed by other means. If you're in your early 20s or perhaps a teenager and listening to this, you may not remember what it was like before YouTube. And I'm not trying to say that in a condescending way. YouTube was purchased by Google in what, like 2007 or something? Um, Do you happen to know offhand, Judd, when YouTube YouTube was purchased by Google? No, I don't. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, it was, like, within our memory. Uh, I think YouTube was founded in 2003? It says
1: 2006. It was purchased by Google. Okay, that's...
0: 2006 was going to be my guess, but it felt too early, so I went with 2007. Uh, But, yeah. So, it was, like, a few years after YouTube... Uh, was founded and became popular Google bought it and it became the video platform there isn't enough like there are of course other places to upload video YouTube is the one though that's it's like the main one similar to how uh, Facebook around like 2008 ish became the social media platform people are starting to migrate away now but I don't know how effective that will be because it's become integral to how we communicate and you will have to go to so much more effort to simply keep up with people who you like, but who you wouldn't necessarily communicate with if it took more effort. And the fact that it has removed that barrier, I think, is really good in some ways, but we don't use it correctly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point I was trying to make was, if you don't remember what it was like before YouTube, videos went viral because your friend sent uh, sent them to you over AOL instant messenger file transfer, or they told you how what search terms to enter on Kazaa and then you described the beginning of the video and they were like yeah that's the right one uh Kazaa Limewire I don't know if Napster had video I had never used Napster in my youth I didn't either I, it was, uh, we, actually, we both went to a college that had a really superb internal sharing service because, um, there were bandwidth limits for internet access, but there was no limit for intranet access. So everyone on the, uh, the Rutgers College, uh, network in the dorms could share files between them with no limit. And so someone set up a chat room and file sharing hub to do that uh, using software called Direct Connect. And uh, that was how we did our file sharing. It was kazaa, but you could only access things that other people in Rutgers dorms had on their computers while they had their computers on and that software open. Uh is very, very interesting times indeed. Um. Do you have a spookiest part of dining room or there is nothing?
1: Um, I, I think there is something really unsettling about the, the woman herself, right? The the eyes, the completely white makeup. It's just, I mean, you said it earlier, unsettling is like the the word I would use to to describe it. Because even now, you know, I saw it once, I don't know, probably like five years ago or more. And, you know, even when I see it again, I just get that, you know, I see her face and her eyes pop open and I'm just like, ugh. You know,
0: yeah, there's like a little edit so that you don't see the eyes open, right. they're just closed closed one frame and fully open the next frame. Yeah, it almost seems like the size of the bowl and spoon are trying to indicate that this is a small child. Um, which maybe even the manner of dress is indicative. I was gonna say, thing. yeah, but it, yeah, it's 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 that is an interesting choice, I think. Um, I have talked at so much length about the uh influences of the ring on horror media. I think that You could probably write full books about this, but um, I'm seeing that influence here. A pale-skinned, long-haired female figure in a plain white dress. Um, And even if that is not uh, an influence at all, there's definitely the idea of this being a haunted video, uh, which I I think it's probably had some of that uh, stank on it before that this was like, ooh, it's this haunted video, nothing.avi or whatever, Um, and it it loops perfectly. I I definitely think that there could be uh, some of that in in this. And uh, I I don't know if I've talked about rings on this podcast. Have you seen Rings, Mm -hmm. Judd? Okay. Rings is the third American movie in the Ring franchise. And I wanted to see it because it seemed like the plot of it was going to be that Samara uploaded her, herself uh, through, via her haunted video to YouTube and made uh, rings everywhere that killed people. But it's not. That happens in the last shot of the movie, is Samara forwards, like, ring.mov <laughs> to every everyone in the main character's inbox, and they're all like, I watched that video. What's up with it? It's so spooky. Is that okay? Are you okay? Uh, and, like, they're all replying instantly, and it's really dumb and weird and should have been the first scene in the movie. Um But like, in the era of internet video, the idea of a haunted video becomes so much more interesting and compelling because at that point, it's not something you have to go to to a vacation home to discover on a disused VHS tape. It's something that you could accidentally watch on your phone on Facebook. Mm. Did Uh, this
1: movie... Oh, it just came out last year. Yeah.
0: It's it's um I would say worth a watch if you have exhausted all other options for horror movies and it happens to be on a streaming service but you know it's not very good. It
1: has a 7% approval on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Well, the here's the issue. Rotten Tomatoes ranks horror movies low. Uh, they're either high art and get uh, like 98% like Get Out or Hereditary, or they get a garbage rating. Hmm. Um, like Truth or Dare, which I think is not a great movie but like stylish and a passable teenage slasher movie, is a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, which is, you know, why? It's not that bad. It's not, like, offensively bad. The performances are fine. The conceit is clever. There's a couple surprises. It's just, like... It's an average movie. Uh, it's, but yeah, I think I think critics don't get horror and they don't get comedy. So comedy and horror, horror worse, uh, get low reviews because a lot of critics are like, I didn't like this. I'm giving it a bad review.
1: Well, I guarantee they're gonna make you another one because they're they made eighty three million on a twenty five budget. So.
0: Yeah, that's the issue. Is they'll never studios will never stop making horror films, no matter how bad the Rotten Tomato score, because they are so cheap to produce and usually make a lot of money because people will go see them. Uh, and even if not a ton of people go see them, uh, it still costs them nothing to make it. I think Paranormal Activity costs uh, like three million dollars or something and made five hundred million dollars. Wow. It's I've still never it's, seen that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The The very first Paranormal Activity is, to me, and I know that I'm in the extreme minority in this opinion, but it is, I think, a masterpiece of of film in the way shots are framed and the way everything is paced. I think it's the execution is just exquisite. Uh, The second one is also pretty good, not quite as expertly paced and directed. Uh, The third one has one scene that we have talked about on this show many times, where an oscillating fan uh, goes from left to right very slowly with a camera on top of it, and there's like a whole lengthy sequence just from this camera. And on the left, it shows a, a little sort of room near I think the stairs in the middle of the shot is a pillar separating the rooms which creates beautiful tension and on the right of the shot is the cutting board island in the kitchen so it just keeps cutting back and forth as like spooky things are happening and the tense way that shot is really good Uh fourth one uses a connect which is boy that <laughs> people are going to watch that and be like I don't know what a connect is <laughs> Like even now, I've I had I saw someone on uh, Facebook or Twitter being like, "What was that thing that used to be sold with the Xbox One?" Oh God! It was like a like a voice thing, like the Connect. Uh, it like instantly died and became something no one had ever heard of. I bought the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty Connect uh, a little bit before the X. I think maybe after the Xbox One came out, but way before I had one. It cost me fifteen dollars used at GameStop I wanted to get it just to play uh, the Dance Central and Fantasia and I think Child of Eden or something they're all like cool supposed to be cool motion games I haven't played much of them because I have a small room <sighs> I mean VR
1: is the thing now so
0: that's the- yeah exactly uh, Paranormal Activity 5 is interesting because it's about a, an inner-city Latina family instead of the same three white people that the other movies have been <laughs> about. It uh, has one cool thing that happens at the very end, and then the sixth one is just all terrible. Mm. And that's, that's the Final Activity franchise. But, like, the issue is you'll watch the first one and be like, if you liked it, you'll want to watch the second one. And then it, you'll probably like that one if you liked the first one, and you'll feel compelled to finish the series. Um, which, you know, I don't necessarily regret. I think a car is honking outside. Let me remove my earbud. It's just someone's car alarm. Nothing I can do about that. I can't go yell at someone about it. Uh, anyway, I think my spookiest part of this video is the backwards talk that is really effective to me is um uh, sort of reversed talking and just like the eeriness of the video uh, do we have any final thoughts before plugs hmm no i'm good all right uh so where can the people reach you on the internet if you would like them to do so uh
1: yeah i would uh, i'm on twitter at uh, cephalic
0: i'm on twitter j3fk snapchat and instagram JeffJK, patreon.com slash jeff jk just one dollar a month gets you a bunch of stuff boy i hope my patreon is still up when this episode comes out it should be but you know you never know life happens i mean if i get all these edited and posted in time they could be like i could then like Die uh, at any point from the end of editing until they post, and you you wouldn't like they would still be getting posted long after I've died, and you would never know. Uh, and that would be the spookiest, Creepy pasta of all. Join Creepypasta fan group on Facebook to talk about this and other horror things that happen. Uh, that's it that's all we got
1: you should have like a, a like a switch that you have to push like once a month or something like that and if you don't do it it like releases a final creepy episode that I would forget would, I would forget to do that <laughs> but then but then people would be like Jeff's dead there's gonna be no more creepy and then the, the feed pops up one more time and it just says like Finn and then they're like what is this and it's like one creepy Pods the episode you by yourself. You know if you're if you're listening to this, I'm already reviewing
0: my own funeral. Uh, i've considered some sort of creepypasta prank but it feels too uh rude to do i mean i guess i sort of did one but it was not um not rude when i did it before because i just like pretended that we found a story that got sent to us from the future and that like an episode of creepypasta got sent back in time six months and people didn't really get it but you know whatever there is nothing